This is Angela Bowen, the host of <laughs> Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. It took me a second. <laughs> what is this called again? <laughs> I just did it last week. Uh, how's everyone doing today? Let me just say, it is a rainy, wet icky day outside. I'm staying indoors. I got my heated blanket on me so I can stay nice and warm upstairs because it's getting cooler out. It is going to be November this week. Wow, another month has gone by. I cannot believe it. This 2018 is... We only basically got like two months left. I mean, less than two months until Christmas. Think how crazy that is. Anyway, um, as always, before I do the podcast, I want to let those know that are new to the podcast, listening for the first time, thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoy the content. And if you would like to follow along with the podcast, you can do so in many different ways. You can follow along on the Instagram page at Silver Spoons Podcast, or if you're a fan of the Punky Brewster podcast, the Punky Power podcast. I also do ups, updates for the Silver Spoons podcast on that page. On Instagram and also on Facebook, you can go to the Punky Power podcast page or the Together We're Going to Find Our Way Silver Spoons podcast page. You can do any of those things. If you would like to reach out to me personally and just talk about your memories of the show and or, or whatever you want to do, you can email me at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to talk about the Punky Brewster podcast, guys, even though the podcast is, you know, I'm done covering the show, doesn't mean I don't want to hear from you guys about Punky Brewster. Email me at punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com. You know, this is, you know, this is going to be a different podcast. We got the Punky Brewster, we got Silver Spoons, after Silver Spoons, I'd like to do the short-lived show, The Torkelsons, and then I really don't know what's going to happen after that. So, well, that's just up in the air. Like I said, Silver Spoons is probably going to take at least a couple years to get through. Um, I do have a special announcement about what's going to be coming to the Silver Spoons podcast, how it's going to change just a little bit, but in a good way, for the month of November only. So stick around to the end, and I'll, I'll give you a, a heads up about that. If you are a longtime listener of the Punky Power podcast, or even the Silver Spoons podcast, if you're jumping on board for this... Thank you. Um, if you'd like to spread the love, go to iTunes and le- uh, the, to the Punky Power podcast on iTunes and leave a review. I would love to hear how much you love the show. So, also, at the end of the podcast, I have four books that I'm going to be talking about. 
three of which I believe are available on audiobook. And one that I don't think is yet. So hopefully that one that isn't will be eventually. Because it's a really good book. Alright, let's talk about today's episode, which is... We have a returning character. Grandfather Stratton is coming back. He and Edward still... They're on the outs with each other, still don't get along. Their relationship is its pretty sour. And this is going to make it even worse. Season 1, Episode 9, called Honor Thy Father, which aired on November 20th, 1982. Ricky saves his grandfather from embarrassment when his dad, Edward, refuses to speak at a banquet and present an award to his father. Well, if you downright practically hate your father, like Edward seems to, making a speech in his honor and giving him an award is out of the question. Let's see. This episode's got a 7.2 out of 10 rating based on 22 ratings on IMDb. Directed by Jack Shea, writers Dub- David W. Ducklin, who you, Duklin, I gotta stop saying Ducklin, it's Duklin. Or Creator Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Glenn Padnick, Ben Starr, Martin Cohen, Howard Leeds. These are all creators. Good golly. There's a big team here. <laughs> um, Let's see. Oh, there's no trivia. But we have some connections. Let's see what they are. The Howdy Doody Show. Grandpa Stratton refers to Howdy Doody time. Romper Room and Friends, mentioned by Grandpa Stratton. Well, he's probably back at the mansion again and saying how it looks like Romper Room or something. Like, Kai, I'm sorry, but if I'm at a room, like, if you're going to be in my home, you show respect. Otherwise, you can just go back out the front door where you came. I, 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 I've never seen Silver Spoons in its entirety start to finish. Because, it came, like I said, it came on, I was like a month old when the show premiered. So, and I, I would watch the show on and off when they'd show reruns and stuff like that. But, um, and as I said before, I am doing all of the seasons. I was able to get the other, uh, seasons two through five through an online source, so, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to covering this in its entirety. We get to watch, like we did with Punky, with Punky Brewster. We got to watch her grow up from an 8-year-old to a 12-year-old. With this one, we're watching Ricky start at age 12 and going to age, like, 17. So, this is going to be interesting. Like I've said, you know, we're going to get to see issues that Punky had not 100% been faced with. In season two, she dealt with um, an older group of girls that were trying to tempt her with drugs. In one of the later seasons, Ricky is tempted by alcohol to drink alcohol. And I believe he actually does consume alcohol, from what I've read. And there are... Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a fun, fun ride. And I hope you guys will stay for the journey, because I'm, I'm, like I'm looking forward to it. But... Alright, let's waste no time. Let's jump right into this episode. Also along with Ricky, like I said, I'm really interested to watch Edward and Kate's relationship go from flirty banter to 
eventually dating and then eventually, you know, spoiler alert, they do get married later on in the show. Apparently, I'm on disc two and I put in disc one. I totally forgot. Like, oh yeah, I'm just wild about Harry was the last episode on disc one. Well, we opened the episode. We got Big Bad Derek Taylor coming through the door of the Stratton house. And, of course, Ricky's right behind him. Derek just walks in like he owns a joint. And, of course, he proceeds to swing the door shut, which hits Ricky right in the face. I'd be like, excuse me? I think I'm the one who lives here? Why are you walking in ahead of me? So... We see that Ricky has got this, he's carrying this case, this long black case that's about as long as a coffee table is wide. And, of course, Ricky's like, thanks, Derek, thanks a lot. And Derek's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, Ricky. Like, So we all kind of wonder, it's like, what is in this case? My guess is clearly it's something to do with a musical instrument. Ricky's probably in band. Ricky doesn't seem the type to really be into sports, like maybe watching sports, but I don't think he's really one to be participating. Because, I mean, you got your sports kids who are, like, into sports, and then you have your intellectuals, which are more like Ricky's into computers and stuff like that. So, of course he would be one to, like, take up an, uh, an instrument, so. I'm gonna play this clip. Thanks, Derek. Sorry, Rick. Forgot you were carrying your bassoon. <laughs> hey, no more cracks about my bassoon, okay? Look, you're gonna be playing that thing in the school orchestra, right? And who's in the orchestra? Wimps and their future wives. <laughs> So many kids in the orchestra are outstanding. Well, Elliot Herbshaw sure stands out. What's wrong with Elliot? Rick, come on, this is a guy who wears black socks in gym class. <laughs> a guy who uses flesh-colored nose pads so his glasses won't fall off. <laughs> and worst of all, listen, I heard when Elliot does a book report, he actually reads the book. <laughs> so do I. plays that bassoon as Derek teases him. What do you call it? I call it a bassoon, not a bassoon. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe people call it something, you know, everyone calls something differently, I guess. I don't know, but it's just, I don't like that. Bassoon. I just have called it a bassoon. I've never played an instrument in my life. I wanted to be in band. I, like, they're, like, try it, like, in fifth grade, because in sixth grade you get to be in band and stuff like that. And I guess I wasn't, there was, like, a little detached, like, mouthpiece that would go into, like, a trumpet or something. And the person just, like, you gotta blow harder, harder, harder. And... Apparently I wasn't good enough because I didn't get to be in band, but 
That's a story for... That's pretty much the story. That's it. That's how it ends. He says... Uh, Rick, Ricky says, hey, Derek, come on. No more cracks about my bassoon. He says bassoon like Harry Potter would say basilisk. So Derek kind of schools Ricky and, oh, you can't be playing the bassoon because you'll be a dork. You know, the kids that take <laughs> band are all wimps, and that's where they meet their future wives. And then he makes a crack about this one kid who Ricky refers to knows the kid by his actual name is Elliot, and he's like, what's wrong with Elliot? And then Derek's saying how the kid wears black socks to gym. Oh, and when he, oh, and he wears the little nose pads, like, for glasses, so his glasses don't fall off. How about the fact that it would be nice so that way, if you wear those little nose pads, like, the comfort ones, maybe, that helps it doesn't leave an imprint of the, them, uh, on your, just above your, like, your nose area. Because sometimes when, when you take your glasses, if you wear glasses, that imprint of what rests against the sides of your nose, it leaves an imprint there, and those nose pads maybe might help cut down on on that. So, Oh, and he also says that Elliot, when he does a book report, he actually reads the book. And Ricky just kind of rolls his eyes and looks at Derek and is like, so do I. I read the book. And jot, uh, Derek's jotting something down. I'm like, what is he making a note on Ricky? Is he keeping a tab on all the things that Ricky thinks Ricky does wrong to, like, remind him later? No, he's like, here, call this number. And Ricky's like, what is this? Derek's like, oh, <laughs> it's Wimps Anonymous. Like, Derek, if you think Rick's such a wimp, you know why he hangs out with Ricky? Because no one else will hang out with Derek. Ricky is Derek's only friend. And that is playing friend mildly. And Derek, my husband played in seventh grade band. He played um, the baritone, I think. I think it was. Yeah. I didn't know him then. Because when he was, like, 13, I was, like, six years old. So, I didn't get to see that. That would have been cool, though, if we were the same age. But he moved around all the time. So, anyway, yeah. Now we move on to the office where Edward and Kate... Edward is kind of testing out these toys that people are submitting to him because... You know, he started a toy company called Eddie's Toys, and people would make submissions. Since Edward's got a lot of money, he owns his toy company. He has say over, you know, what toys are created, and people just want their shot. Like, hey, let me make this toy, send it to this guy, you know, this prototype, and if he likes it, you know, I can eventually be make money off this. I've never known people to, I don't know how that, that works. It's like, oh, you have an invention and you want it to, there was a reality show. Was it called the Toy Box or something? I thought it was like a year or so ago that a uh, host was uh, the guy who played Cameron or Cam on Modern Family, Eric Stone Street. And there were a bunch of kids that were the judges. 
and they were testing out these pro these people would uh, come in with these toys that they had made. They'd explain what it is, what it does, and the kids would play with them, and then they would give their review, like, whether it was a good toy or not. So, yeah. This is, this is interesting. So, Kate kind of starts in with Edward about, you know, why do you even look at some of these submissions? And Edward, he's saying, well, he's holding up, like, this toy, like, ray gun-looking thing that's got, like, a plastic cap on it that... When you press the trigger down, it kind of blinds you, as he's saying, Kate, when I started this toy company, and then he hits the, pulls that trigger, and all of a sudden this white light just flashes in his eyes, and he's, like, disoriented for a second. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, a no-go there with that toy. Yeah, temporarily temporarily uh, blind your opponent there. Edward kind of says, I vowed that I would leave no toy unturned. Oh, he's got, is it, it's Phil, right? The uh, one that was when he, uh, Edward was dressed like, um, uh, Cyrano de Bruchouac. He had him dressed up like, um, a fencing partner or something like, like back in the 1600s, you know, the Three Musketeers and everything. But now he's got Phil dressed in some silk, green, white striped, Boxing shorts with a blue tank top and a red, like, Karate Kid bandana dealie. What the heck's he got in his... Is that a jump rope? Well, Phil is, if you remember, is this mannequin. So Edward just says, I vowed to leave no toy unlooked at or undiscovered because he's looking for probably the next great thing he i remember he told his father i made wanted to make a company where toys were fun and educational and there's is some other thing too but uh mainly fun and educational and yeah and what better person to be having a toy company than someone who's kind of like a big kid himself and his son is a great you know some someone that could also look at who likes toys. He's still he's twelve still, so he's still he hasn't reached the oh I don't play with toys I'm too old so. Edward, why do you even bother to look at some of these submissions? Kate, when I started my toy company, I vowed I'd leave no toy unturned. Besides, you never know where the next great toy's gonna come from. Like, uh, what the heck is this? It's a junior plastic surgeon's kit. Introduce your child to a future career in cosmetic surgery and give him hours of fun, too, as he transforms Betty before into Angela after. Nose, his chins, and silicone included. Uh -huh. Next. What's that? It's a really strange one. It's called a yo-yo hat. A yo-yo hat. <laughs> First we put it on, uh -huh. and then we wind up the yo-yo, uh -huh. and... <laughs> What's that? Sounds like somebody choking a duck. <laughs> There's a couple interesting submissions here. One is a toy plastic surgeon's kit. And the whole thing is 
here your child could have fun learning how to practice to be a a plastic surgeon one day and it has Edward holds up a Barbie doll that's got this really long Pinocchio nose and then he holds up the after effect which is just a regular Barbie with a little um, button nose and or a, a little uh, cute button nose or whatever um and Kate says, oh, there's also chin implants and silicone in here. I'm like, wow, um, that's a p major pass. There's also one that is a yo-yo hat, which is interesting because she puts the hat, this yellow, like, trucker-looking hat, on Edward's head that has this compartment that has a yo-yo in it, and she kind of rolls the yo-yo up, and before they can even test this, they hear the sound, and Kate's like, at first I'm like, is that the hat? Does it have an alarm on it? And she's like, what is that noise? And Edward's like, it sounds like someone's choking a duck. And it does! I, I don't know anyone who's choked a duck before. I don't advocate any of that animal cruelty. But, I mean, yeah. That would be the you know, most accurate impression that I can think of. And Derek is sitting next to Ricky. On, well, Ricky's kind of sitting on the arm of the couch, and Derek's at the other end, and he's got a book open. Oh, oh, you knock people for reading books, Derek. Yeah, look what... He's probably reading a textbook. It's like, yeah, you're not going to get any studying done. This is Derek. I didn't even think he did study. He probably gets all terrible grades in school. <laughs> Just set music back 2,000 years uh, to the days where people really appreciated an enormous talent like yours. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Stratton. Hi, Derek. Rick, what are you doing with a bassoon? I'm going to play it in the school orchestra. Hey, that's terrific. <laughs> You'll be playing that thing a lot then, huh? about a bassoon is no matter where I am in the entire house I'll still be able to hear it. <laughs> See Derek I told you playing the bassoon doesn't make you a wimp. A wimp? Uh, no Rick I, I think you misunderstood me. Uh, I, I personally admire your son for playing the bassoon and I'm outraged by our small minded friends who ridicule him. <laughs> well good for you Derek because playing an instrument is the sign of strength not weakness and personally I'm very proud of Rick that he has a mind of his own. I wish I'd said that. <laughs> now, this man is so wise. <laughs> you, sir, are an inspiration to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being alive. <laughs> so long, Mr. Stratton. Bye, Derek. Hey, 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 Derek. Yes, Richard. Thanks a lot for sticking up for me back there. I'll do the same for you and the classmates who make fun of your B-U-I-N. A P U Y M? Yeah. The bassoon up your nose. <laughs> so, all Ricky's doing with this bassoon is blowing into it. He's not. He doesn't have any music out to practice. My guess is he just started this band 
class and maybe they haven't started on, on any music, the teacher said, take this home, just practice blowing into it, get used to you know, blowing into this a lot because that's what you're going to be doing. So you build up like a tolerance or something like that. And of course, Edward's in the office with Kate, like, hey, let me, I'll deal with this here. And you hear Derek screaming, like, Rick, Rick. And it's, Derek changes his tune as soon as Edward comes out. Like, wow, you are such a great, you're doing a great job at that blowing into that bassoon and everything. It's like, Derek will be a little troll to Ricky teasing him, but as soon as he sees Edward, he is like, wow, sir, I commend Rick here for just being so good on this this instrument, and, and you're such a wise man, and yeah, Derek is such a suck-up. He really, really is. <laughs> And Edward just, he can't believe, like, oh, wow, Rick, you're going to be playing that a lot, aren't you? Wow, no matter where I am in this big house, I'll always be able to hear that bassoon, won't I? <clears throat> I'm surprised he doesn't say, like, play outside, or if they have a garage, or seriously, any, any place you go in that house, you're going to be able to hear that loud, annoying noise. So, yeah, just Edward is trying to put on this expression, like, I'm trying to be supportive, but I really don't like this. And I just thought now, thinking of this, that what if they had Ricky playing the bagpipes? They they probably wouldn't, but what wouldn't, that would be a lot. More, oh, my goodness gracious sake. Just be happy it's not the bagpipes. Oh, Ricky completely sells Derek out. He's like, see, Derek, I told you playing the bassoon didn't make me a wimp. And Derek is freaking out, like, trying to, like, cover up. Oh, no, I, I didn't say that. No. Oh, and he says that he is just saddened by their, their what does he say? Small-minded friends that ridicule him. <laughs> like, I commend him for playing the bassoon. And the whole time, Ricky has got his arms folded across his chest like, this is all garbage that's coming out of Derek's mouth is lies. And it's like, Edward, everything this boy is telling you is lies. And either you're eating all this up, or you're just, like, in the back of your mind saying, this kid is... Full online to me, but I want my son to have a friend, so I'll put up with it. I bet eventually he is going to tell Derek off. I bet and eventually he will. I get that feeling. Oh, Edward says that playing the instrument is a sign of strength, not weakness. I'm surprised he doesn't tell Derek, you should take up uh, an instrument. And he also tells Derek, I'm very proud of Rick because he's got a mind of his own. And Derek is like, wow, sir, that is so wise. I almost just wish that I had said that to him. It's like, oh, Derek, please. And Derek even goes so far to say, you, sir, are an inspiration. And it's almost like Edward is like, God, this kid is so full of it. But I'm just going to keep like, yeah, that's that's great, son. Thank you for for telling him that. <laughs> 
You know, I was just thinking by looking at Edward and Derek, it seems almost more believable that Derek could resemble Edward's son even more than Ricky could just because they both have... Derek and Edward both have dark hair. I think they both have, like, bluish eyes. And I'm like, yeah, I could see a resemblance there. Can you imagine, honestly, though, if they had, if Jason Bateman had um, been cast in the role of Ricky instead of Ricky Schroeder? I mean, how do you think that would have worked? I mean, I, I remember seeing Little House on the Prairie the early years with or um, Little House on the Prairie season eight that had Jason Bateman playing James, the that young boy, and he can do uh sensitive, but he's got a coyness about him that I, I don't know how far he could really pay, play off that cutesy sensitive note. Because he's more like he's a smart Alex, so I don't know. Oh my goodness, Derek. He grabs Edward's hand, looks him straight in the face, and says, Thank you, sir. Thank you for being alive. You are laying it on so thick, boy. <laughs> you really are. Oh, and meanwhile, Ricky is just rolling his, his eyes so heavily, like, Oh, my God, this guy. Well, if you remember from the second episode... Edward was the one that set that whole thing up with, because Ricky and Derek shared a room at the military academy, and then Edward was the one like, oh, by the way, there's a guy that lives down the road from us, he's got a boy about your age, his name's Derek Taylor. Like, oh, so yeah, it's like, thanks, Edward, we had to continue with this, but whatever. <laughs> suck it. Luckily... This season, because right now, the only friend we see that Ricky has is Derek. But later on this season, we'll get Freddy. We'll, Freddy is going to be the blonde, uh, bespectacled boy who's kind of, um, kind of nerdish. Kind of like, uh, I'm not going to call him a wimp, but he's kind of, he's the very opposite of Ricky. Uh, we also get JT, who is kind of dresses like he's from Texas with the, the big old belt buckle and the bolo tie and the vest and everything like that. So, yeah, something to look forward to. Because we're not getting Alfonso Riviero from um, Fresh Prince. We're not getting him until season three, so we got a bit. Derek leaves, I think, towards the middle of season two, so, yeah. So Derek's got a peel. He's got to get out of there. And he turns around and Ricky kind of puts an arm. You know, he's walking Derek out the door. And he's like, hey, Derek. And Derek's like, yes, sir. And, he's, and Ricky's like, well, thank you for uh, for sticking up for me there. That's it's really, really great. And um, in school, I'll let all the kids know. What did he say? He says, I'll do the same for you when the kids make fun of your B- U-Y-N. And even I'm like, what does that mean? And Derek's like, what are you talking about? And Ricky kind of, he's got this sparkle in his eyes. He grins maniacally like, bassoon up your nose. <laughs> he's got some singers he does that, Ricky. He really does. 
Like, you know, Derek can only, he can push it so far, but Rick is going to push back. Which is good, because, like, don't let kids, even kids like Derek, walk all over you. you got to stand your ground. Like, you give it to me, I'm going to give it back to you tenfold. So after Ricky closes the door, we see that Edward has decided to try out the bassoon. So immediately, Ricky Ricky goes to grab the bassoon out of Edward's hand. Like, Dad, no, 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 that's not how you do it. You're doing it wrong. You're going to break it. And he goes to basically correct Edward. Like, here, let me show you. Like, Edward looks like he's playing it. Like, he's blowing into it like it's a saxophone. And holding it almost like it's a... This thing is so tall. It's taller than Ricky. You know this almost looks like one of those giant didgeridoos? (laughs) And I kind of wonder because... Ricky takes it from Edward, and the way that Ricky blows into it, he's kind of, like, lightly shaking his head from side to side as, as, as like, he's getting as much air into this thing as possible. Or he's pretending he's making out with a, with a pretty young girl or something like that. Just, the, like, pretend you're making out with this thing. I don't know. But... That's what I kind of... I kind of wonder, like, did... Ricky Schroeder have any background in playing any form of instruments or did they just say hey in the scene we want you to pretend like just go at the thing just 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 blow into it you're you're gonna be terrible at first so I'm gonna play this clip as he's blowing into it and Edward has this look on his face his eye his face is clenched in pain his eyes are shut you just think that someone is, like, blasting loud music straight into his eardrums. <laughs> no, 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 Dad, that's not the way to do it. Let me show you how, okay? <laughs> See? No doubt about it. You're a natural. Some dreamer is hoping this will replace the hula hoop, I think. (laughs) And I was just kind of watching because Edward is blowing into this thing, but he's not making any sound. And I'm just looking at him like he's struggling, just blowing all the air from his body into this thing before Ricky takes the bassoon from him and tells him you're not doing it right. It's like, dude, you are going to give yourself a heart attack by... Like, forcing yourself to, like, blow all this air. And this is, like, you're, you're just, you're doing it not the right way. So, um, actually, I was looking, because Ricky has the case for that bassoon splayed on the coffee table. And I kid you not, this case is the length of the coffee table. Because Ricky's got to be, like, maybe less than, is he five feet? You think he's five feet tall? This thing itself, this bassoon, unless you can, you might, maybe you can't break it. Well, not break it, but, you know, like, twist it, like, separate the top from the bottom, maybe? And, like, you know, unless it all just goes in just, you know, fold together in this case. That thing is huge. Um, and... 
Ricky notices the yellow trucker hat thing with the yo-yo, and he's like, oh, what is this? And Edward proceeds to go put this hat on his head again. He's like, oh, it's this yo-yo contraption on this hat. Apparently some guy thinks it's going to replace the hula hoop. And we get a doorbell ring, and Ricky grabs the door opener remote. He's going to stand maybe, I'd say... How much feet is that from the door? I'd say that's got to be at least maybe 10 feet away from, 10, 15 feet away from the door to be able to get it to open. I mean, you definitely got to stand within range of the door, like facing the door for it to get that signal to open. I'm sure, don't they, they probably make things like that nowadays, don't they? So, Grandfather Stratton is at the door, and I'm like, why is he visiting? He probably wants to see his grandson. I mean, he and his son don't get along, but... We haven't seen him since the third episode, so... I'm gonna play this clip, because when he comes in, Ricky's like, Grandfather! And the guy comes in, top hat, he's got a cane, he's dressed in a suit. And he looks at Ricky, he's like, Richard! And he kind of points his the bottom of his cane upward... And there's this applause. So this guy must have been a good, like, um, a really well-known actor back in his day. John Houseman, I think? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I've never seen him outside of the show as far as anything he's done prior to Silver Spoons. But I know that he passed away a year after this show wrapped up. The show ended in 87, he passed away in 88. So, R.I.P. John Houseman, I am going to play this clip.
Congratulations. <laughs> what my dad was really trying to say is that these dinners are usually boring, stupid. But if you're the guy they're honoring, then you're not buying this, are you? No sale. However, contrary to what your father has told you, this is a memorable occasion. I am the recipient of the Industrialist Foundation Life Achievement Award. Oh, you must be thrilled. Delirious. <laughs> no, I saw a Life Achievement Award on TV once. I think they were giving it to somebody, somebody named Howdy Doody. <laughs> this is hardly Howdy Doody time. So when Grandfather Stratton comes in, immediately he looks at Rick, Ricky and he's like, So, Richard, I see you've acquired a pet? Because it sounded like a, a duck or something like that. So, because he said that he heard that from outside. Like, then that thing really travels. The noise from that bassoon. Oh, the choking duck thing. Okay, so Edward had said it earlier because he said it sounds like someone's choking a duck. And then, of course, this joke continues with uh, <laughs> Grandfather Stratton saying, uh, sound like a choking duck. So Grandfather Stratton, he heads over to Edward. And he's like, Edward. And Edward, he... Uh, you know, puts out his hand to shake his father's hand, and of course, at that second, that yo-yo comes down, and it's like, what? Worst possible time. I would have taken that hat off. I mean, this hat thing, I mean, yeah, a yo-yo comes out of it. That's all well and good, but then what? Does it have a mechanism that kind of brings the yo-yo back up again, or are you supposed to take the hat off and wind the yo-yo up yourself because if you got to do it yourself then that is no the person needs to go back and uh re-examine the bent that that just it's a novel it would be a novelty item it's not i mean my gosh it's it's a, a gag gift that you'd find at like a party store not a i mean party store like yeah one of those like party city places that you would give to like a senior citizen <laughs> Or somebody like one of those like over the hill type hats or something like here here's a gag gift and of course grandfather threatens all like is that your thinking cap because he knows you know edward is into toys and stuff like that and edward cl clarifies like no this is a yo-yo hat and uh his dad is all like yeah that fits because you're a yo-yo and to make matters even more awkward, this is the time that Kate comes out of the office. She's like, oh, I'm having really fun with this this doll, this plastic surgery doll. Because you can, this, and she immediately notices uh, Mr. Stratton there. And she's like, immediately, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, she immediately becomes professional. It's like, he's here. You know, I gotta act studious and professional. So, Edward's father really just looks at Kate like she's, like, really no different than Edward. He doesn't take her seriously. He's like, oh, 
That's okay, Miss Summers. You just go right on playing with your doll. Like, the guy is a jerk. He really, really is. I don't care that he's an old man. He's a jerk. Because Kate is actually, she's talking about, oh, this plastic surgeon kit's kind of fun. Well, I meant, and I'm not being sexist by saying, like, yeah, a girl would definitely have fun, or, or, or any kid, really, I guess. But I can't see them trying to market something like that. I would see a lot of parents, I really hope there aren't scalpels in that kit either, unless they're plastic ones. Because she shut, uh, Kate, as soon as her eyes lock on Mr. Stratton, she shuts right up. Like, oh, Mr. Stratton, I'm... And he's like, oh, don't mind me, Miss Summers, you just go on playing with your dolls. Like, well, that kind of reduced her to two feet tall, didn't it? And Edward kind of cuts to the chase, like, Father, what are you doing here? And this is where Mr. Stratton does tell Edward and... Ricky and Kate, like, hey, I have an event coming up. Are you busy on the 27th? We don't know what 27th, what month the 27th would be. I'm guessing, because the Christmas episode is coming up. It's got to be, like, November 27th. I don't think we even get a mention of Thanksgiving. We hop right over that and go straight to Christmas. Which I think in the show there might be a Thanksgiving episode down the road, down the line. And he just asks Edward, like, what are you doing on the 27th? Edward's like, well, I'm not sure. Kate, what am I doing on the 27th? She checks his um appointment book, and he's got, like, a gala or, or something to do with either a museum or something. And... His father is like, cancel it, send them a check, you have something else that you need to attend on that night. And Edward is angry, he's like, excuse me, you don't come in here and you tell me to cancel what I'm doing on that day just to attend whatever is more important to you. Turns out it's one of those banquets where older gentlemen, it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award. And his father is actually going to be one of the men that the they're going to be honored that he's getting that award. And he hands Edward a envelope. Like, this is a speech. It's been prepared for you. This is exactly what you're going to say. Don't ablib or anything. Because... <laughs> and Edward just... He does not like being told what to... He doesn't want to be ordered... And being told, you will cancel whatever you're doing. You're going to come to this. And when you do, you're going to give a speech as this projected film of my life passes on. You know, this um, projector is going to be showing clips from my life and all my greatest achievements and everything like that. Edward wouldn't have a problem going if he were asked, like, would you come? Not, you're going to come to this, whether you want to or not. And Kate, oh, um, because Ricky says, oh, Lifetime Achievement, isn't that something? I saw someone get that award. It was uh, Howdy Doody, someone Howdy Doody. So Ricky doesn't know who Howdy Doody is. He just knows that, well, that's what I am familiar with, that award through this thing. 
And Kate, of course, laughs and everything. And she kind of like, oh, you know what that reminds me? I have to go get some string. So I think, and then when she leaves, that's when Mr. Stratton hands Edward that speech that he has to make. So I'm going to play that clip. Things are going to get very, very heated. Like I've said, you know, you've heard in Grandfather Stratton, these who do not get along. And you know, in um, Boys Will Be Boys, the second episode of season one, Edward delves into his past to let Ricky know why he and his father don't get along. His father was a guy who was controlling. He's all business type. He really didn't have a lot of time to be a father figure in Edward's life. So here's the clip. It's a climax to the occasion. There will be a slide presentation outlining the high points of my life. Are they going to show pictures of you as a child? I was never a child. <laughs> That's right, Rick. My grandmother told me he used to wear a bow tie with his diapers. <laughs> Sorry, but, but he cracks me up, too. Yeah? What's this? Speech which you will deliver with the slide presentation. How thoughtful. Yes, you will deliver it as written and refrain from ad-libbing. <laughs> No matter how busy my father was in pursuing his momentous career, he never stopped being a devoted family man. <laughs> Who wrote this, Hans Christian Andersen? You are not to criticize it, you are to memorize it. I haven't even said that I would come yet. It is the custom for a member of the family to deliver the award. <laughs> Dinner is at 7.30 sharp, so on that day you will ride your choo-choo a little earlier. Father, you're not listening to me. If you want me to come to this banquet with you, ask me. Don't order me. I've been fighting your dictatorial attitude toward me all my adult life. What adult life? <laughs> That's it. I can't talk to you. So, what are you going to do? Stand there and hold your breath till you turn blue? <laughs> this banquet. You don't have to beg me. Would it be so hard to say I would be pleased and delighted to have you with me on this special occasion? I will not stoop to obsequious supplication. You stop being contumacious. I am not being... Is that with an O or an A? O. You couldn't have just said stubborn? Edward, are you coming to this banquet or are you not? Father, I am not. Grandfather, wait a minute. Every time you guys see each other, you want to give each other's throats. Can't you get it together? Lost my head again. say he's your only son, and I'll say don't rub it in. <laughs> and you'll say he's really trying, and I'll say I certainly agree. <laughs> and after that you'll say it's nobody's fault, 
Now say poppycock and I'll walk right out of this room. I can't be sure I was going to say those things. What were you going to say? Those things. Richard, my boy, I came here with every good intention. And your father started to rant and rave. He takes every piddly opportunity to blow his top. He burns my butt. such a gesture that I reserve it for truck drivers who try to cut in on me on the highway. You do that? Why not? I'm human. You are? Richard, since your father has declined my invitation, you will deliver this speech. I expect you at 7.30, properly attired, send a limousine Grandfather, don't leave like this. I want you, me, and my dad to have a happy family. Can't you just bend a little? Willows bend. Noodles bend. <laughs> I mention that we get of the romper room is what uh, Grandfather Stratton calls <laughs> Edward's place. And this gets a chuckle out of Ricky, and Edward kind of gives Ricky a hard look, like, what are you, <laughs> why are you laughing? This isn't funny. And Ricky's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> he cracks me up sometimes. Okay, so it's, it's a charity auction at the art museum. Okay, that's what it is. That's on the 27th. Gotcha. So Ricky kind of also wants to know what a banquet is uh, or a lifetime achievement thingy. And Edward does explain it's like a bunch of rich fat cats that get together and tell about how rich they are and they honor each other with these Lifetime Achievement Awards, and of course, Edward makes a snide remark about how, which uh, fat cat are they uh, honoring at this event? And that's when his father says, me. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> so this little clip show that they're going to do for Grandfather Stratton, Ricky asks, like, oh, are they going to show pictures of you as a child? And Mr. S Grandfather Stratton's all like, well, I was never a child. And Edward makes a joke about, like, oh, well, yeah, he, uh, word has it that he also used to wear a bow tie when he was in diapers. And, you know, Edward, you know, Ricky, they, they laugh about that. And then Grandfather gives Ricky a stern look, like, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, he cracks me up also. Like, my dad cracks me up. He's funny sometimes. And at first I thought he was handing Edward an invitation. But no, it's a speech that Edward has to give. And he tells him, just read from the paper, no ab-libbing whatsoever. I know you think you're a funny guy, but seriously, no ab-libbing. Or ad-libbing. And Edward's like, oh, he's kind of reading a little bit how it says that while being a great businessman, his father was also a well-attentive 
parent or something to that degree. And Edward's just looking at like, I'm not reading this. This is a bunch of garbage. This is not true. I'm supposed to stand up there and lie about how you were this great father when we both know you certainly were not. And I think, honestly, like I said, Edward doesn't want to be ordered to have to go to this. He really doesn't want to go at all. He just wants to be asked, like, son, would you please honor me by coming to this? I'd really appreciate it if you were there. I'd really appreciate it if you gave the speech. But no, we all know Grandfather Stratton is very, he's buttoned, buttoned up. He's very prim proper. He, That's not how he rolls. And I don't... I feel bad for Ricky because it almost pulls, feels like poor Ricky is being pulled in two different directions by his father and his grandfather. He doesn't like that they're feuding, you know, and, and he wants them to get along. This almost feels like a child in a divorce situation where I just want things to be happy between us. I don't want you to feud. You know, just please, please get along. It's almost like a child where your parents are fighting and they can't be in the same room because they're arguing all the time and they can't have a civil conversation. And Ricky, you know, Edward walks to, you know, he goes to his office. It's like, I gotta, I gotta cool down. Because he is getting Mondo P.O. where he is straight up yelling at his dad. Like, okay, I'm gonna exit... And grandfather, you know, he gets ready to leave. He's like, well, then my, you know, I have nothing more to say. I'm going to leave. And Ricky's like, please, grandfather, please don't go like this. Just, why can't we just, you know, sit down and talk this out? And I really like how, for Ricky at least, we do get sem a semi-humanized version. It's like, he is, Ricky has something about him, like he is able to get through to a certain degree to his grandfather to get him to open up a little bit about his feelings. He knows Ricky so much. He is able to say, well, you would say this, and my response would be this, and then you would say that, and I would say this, and whatnot. It's just, he knows Ricky well enough now that <laughs> he can pinpoint exactly the advice that Ricky would give him. And he said, well, your father is out. He's not coming. You will come in his place. You will dress appropriately. Basically, I want you in a suit. I will have a limousine pick you up and you will deliver the speech instead of him. And back to Edward reading that letter. He makes a joke about who wrote this. Hans Christian Andersen? Because he said, no matter how busy my father get, bu got building his empire, he always had time to be a well-rounded family man. Which is, and even Ricky's got a look on his face like, well, I wasn't there, but I know that's not for true at all. And, you know, his father is saying, you're not here to criticize my speech. You are going to memorize that. And Edward looks right at his father and he says, I haven't even said whether I'm actually going to be coming to this thing or not. So don't start dictating how things are going to be. Yeah, Edward is not going to roll over and play good. He is not about to do that. So Grandfather Stratton also tells Edward that it's customary 
like tradition that a member of the family of the uh, recipient of the award, that person is going to be the one that delivers the speech. Because probably it feels more heartfelt if it comes from a member of the family, like a son or a daughter or, in Ricky's case, a grandson. Although, Ricky hasn't known Grandfather Stratton that long, so of course, <laughs> but he's just got to read that speech. <laughs> okay, that's gonna that's just going to sound so weird coming out of Ricky's mouth. Unless he had a second speech prepared for Ricky to read. And it's so funny, I get, Grandfather Stratton says some word, contumacious? I don't know what that, apparently it means stubborn, because Edward goes over, he's got to look it up in the dictionary, is that an A or an O in that? And Grandfather's like, oh, it, it's an O. Like, uh. It's like, basically, and Edward's like, you could have just said stubborn. Why are you going to come up with these old-fashioned words that nobody understands without a dictionary? So, yeah, Edward leaves, and Ricky really lays into Grandfather. It's like, every time you see each other, you're at each other's throats. We can't, you can't even have a civil conversation at all. This, there's, Ricky, man, there's so much bad blood between your dad and your grandfather. It is. I don't even know what could fix that. I don't even know if throughout the show's run, if this even gets accomplished. Like, whether poor Grandfather Stratton would have to be on his deathbed for... I don't even think he'd be able to apologize then at all. Because in his mind, he feels that he has not done anything wrong. And Ricky is full-on screaming at gr his grandfather, like, can't you both get it together? And grandfather has got his hands kind of, you know, properly behind his back. He swivels around to face Ricky, and Ricky is like, oh, mm, sorry, lost my head again. It's like, no, buddy, maybe he needs to hear that from you. It's like, look what you're doing, both of you are doing to this boy. You're making him choose sides, and that's not fair to him. Why should he have to choose? Like, well, if I like my grandfather and want to have a relationship, my dad will be angry, but if... I side with my dad, then my grandfather will look down. It's like, there is no happy medium here. So, yeah, I, I pretty much said what I'm going to say about this. We heard that, you know, he does try, to, he does lead grandfather over to the couch, and they kind of have a little powwow, like, hey, grandfather, let's sit down and talk about this. And this is where grandfather says he pretty much knows Ricky's automated responses like, oh, you'll say he's my only son. I'll say don't rub it in. And Ricky, you'll say he's certainly trying. I'll say he, I certainly agree. And I'll, he'll say it's nobody's fault. And I'll say poppycock. And I'll walk right out of this room. It's like, come on, Grandfather. You gotta, you gotta give a little to get a little. Seriously. You gotta have a little bit of leeway. So, yeah, um, Edward, or, ugh, 
grandfather says that, you know, Richard, my boy, kind of puts an arm around him and kind of leads him over to the couch. He says, I came over here with every good intention to be able to, you know, have your father here for this momentous occasion. And your father, he's basically laying blame to Edward. Like, Edward is blowing his top. Basically, he's overreacting to everything that's coming out of my mouth. And it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you guys. I really don't. So he's, like I said, he suggests that Edward, or not Edward, guys, I am, that Ricky do the speech in his, in Edward's wake. Like, you're not, you're going to take his place. So Limo will come and get you at seven. You will be dressed in a tux. All right, let's move on from this scene. I'm sorry I spoke so long about this. Oh my gosh, real quick. The fact that he says that to Ricky, like, I'm human. And Ricky looks at him like, you are? <laughs> really? <sighs> so before Grandpa heads out the door, Ricky says, can't you just bend a little in this uh, uh, scenario? And Grandfather's like, Willow's bend. Spaghetti bends, I will never bend. And I love how he picks up, with his cane, picks his top hat off and has the top hat on the end of the cane as he's got it in the air. And I think he kind of puts it on his head. Like, all right, bye. I'll see you later tonight. Yeah, buddy, he's not going to bend for anybody. He's not going to bend over backwards, not even for his son, not even for you. So now we move to the office and we got Kate working at the table and we see all the toys that were there earlier are now gone and we have that suit of armor ricky comes in wearing a tux he's got a little uh rose pinned to his lapel there or his uh just above the pocket or the breast pocket or whatever you want to call it he's got a cute little black bow tie very oh this boy he is rocking this suit he looks really great so i'm going to play this clip Somewhere it's like a command performance. Well, who he burns my butt. 
change, somebody's got to take the first step. Kate, if I went there, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The minute I got there, he'd start to criticize me. Then I'd lose my temper, and the next thing you know, we'd argue in front of everybody, and pretty soon the whole evening would be a disaster. Phil, let me borrow your rope. Thanks. Kate, take me into this. Now, see, it's like a tug of war, Kate. Pretend you're my father and I'm me. Okay, pull, Kate, pull. Now, see, we're always pulling against each other. My father wants me to be just like him, and I want to be my own man. So look what happens if I give in. I lose. Kate, I gotta keep pulling against him. I can't let my father win. Ah, uh, well, there is another way to win. What's that? Just let go. Ah! So while um, Ricky and Kate are kind of talking, I think he even asked her like, "Hey, do you think you could talk to my dad and get him to come?" And Edward says. No, no chance, Ricky. I'm not going. And both Kate and Ricky are like, where is he? Where's that coming from? He is in the suit of armor. <laughs> Daddy's got to be so uncomfortable. And um, he opens like the the front part of it, and it's just so cute. <laughs> So Ricky's still, he's trying to convince, like, hey, come on, Dad, let's just, just do this. And no, Edward's like, no, I got to go to the gala. I'm donating this suit of armor. I want to see how it felt. And you have a good time. You give your speech. So Ricky heads out and, oh, before Ricky leaves, he uses that word again, contumacious. Like, Dad, I wish you weren't so contumacious as in, you know, stubborn. That could be an SAT word, couldn't that? Contumacious. So, when Ricky leaves, she says, Edward, I don't know what contumacious is, but I think you're being very stubborn. Which, <laughs> yeah, that's what it means. And Kate, you know Edward. Do you think telling him to forget the past is going to make him want to go to that banquet? No, if anything, it's going to get her riled up. And it certainly does, because he goes to the desk where he has this little box filled with different things, and he pulls out a Father's Day card from when he was six. And he's like, here, Kate, read this. And she says, Happy Feathers Day. And... She kind of looks at him, and he's like, well, I was six. I wanted to give it to my dad, but he wasn't there because he was away on another business trip. It's like, so, I'm trying to remember if they mentioned, like, the mother, Edward's mother must have passed away early on because it was just him and his dad. So, Kate even says, it's like, you know, one of you guys are going to have to, if you want things to change, one of you is going to have to take the first step, and it's probably going to have to be you. And Edward says, you know, if I go to this thing, he's going to start sniping about my appearance or something else. I'm going to get angry, lose my temper, we're going to fight, there's going to be a big scene, this n and the night will be completely ruined. I don't want that. So, he borrows that jump rope from Phil the mannequin, the little stuffed dummy, and he gives it to Kate, like, okay, this is my relationship with my father. You take one out of this rope, I'll take the other one, and we both start tugging on it. My father wants me to be more like him. I want to be my own man. You know, he wants to be his own person with his own ideas and everything, and I don't understand 
Why, I mean, when you come from a lineage, Edward Stratton the third, right? So, of course, the father's going to expect the son to drop what he wants to do in life and follow in his own footsteps. It's not fair, but it seems like a lot of the times, especially in that day and age, that you were, that's probably what Edward's father's father expected of him, and thus Edward's father expected him to do the same exact thing. So, you're kind of breaking the chain there. So they keep, Edward and Kate keep kind of pulling on this rope. And Kate says, well, one of you, you're going to have to let go, just let go of this. And she lets go of the rope as Edward is tugging on it, causing him to lose his balance. He falls backwards out the doorway and we hear a big crash because he's in that suit of armor. He probably broke that. It's not going to be any good now. <laughs> I wouldn't donate it. You could probably even sell that to a museum or something. They'd pay big money for that. You know, this scene of them with that jump or that rope and her them pulling on it and her letting go of it and him falling backwards, that's in the theme. And I kept wondering, like, where does this scene come in? A lot of the clips that are in this theme song are from the first few episodes, like probably the first ten episodes of the season. So now we move on to the banquet and... Ricky is kind of sitting between his grandfather and a man that I don't know who he is. But Ricky is just, he's being cool. He's being like, hey, you know, he's being talkative and everything like that. So it's good that he's not me. I would not be good in this situation. I would be really freaking, like, freaking out. I'm just not good with social settings like that. Like when I went to a couple um book signings the year before, um last fall, there was a group of of girls that are probably anywhere from like high school, college age, you know, semi, you know, mid 20s and everything like that. And I'm in a group of, you know, in these chairs waiting for this author to come on and just listening to these people talking wanting to say something but not being able to granted this probably this really isn't the same situation but i like how ricky can take it upon himself to be able to make conversation with a stranger and not really have any sort of apprehension about it or anything so this has got to be the head table as we get the guy at the podium that's right in the middle of this table. He's like kind of lightly tapping a, a glass with like a spoon trying to get everyone's attention. And I like how Ricky kind of like kind of pats his grandfather on the back. It almost looks like he's kind of slapping him on the, sh on the back of the shoulder like, Yay, Grandpa, they're going to talk about you. Yay. You can hear that pat, those three pats on the back, throw all that noise of this room as people are talking and everything. It's really audible. And Ricky, of course, on his other hand, he's got that speech he's going to make. May I have your attention, please? Our guest of honor tonight is Edward Stratton II. Although, uh, he's never been second anybody. <laughs> well, it's customary for a member of the family to uh, present our Life Achievement Award. So tonight, I want to introduce to you a young man who, along with the award, is going to present a pictorial history 
of the life of his grandfather. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Master Richard Stratton. So this guy at the podium is introducing Edward Stratton II, and he makes this really corny joke, like, oh, he's never been second in anything, like, and this guy's got these tinted Ed McMahon glasses on, like, I can't take you seriously right now, and he does introduce, like, some, usually it's customary for a member of the family to make a speech, and he calls up Edward Stratton II's grandson, Richard Stratton, so... And immediately, immediately, as soon as Ricky gets up there, Grandfather is already saying, keep your back straight, son. Like, he's already, or like, you're, he's a 12-year-old boy here. I, uh, yeah, he's going to falter a little bit. I bet anything, Ricky is going to get fed up F-A-S-T fast with that. And I want to know how old Edward comes into this because you saw the picture on Instagram you know there is a big projection slideshow up on the wall there. That might be, I think that might be what's behind Ricky and Grandfather Stratton's heads is that projector that's going to show that pic, those pictures. Hello, Indeed, a privilege to be here tonight on, on such a suspicious occasion. <laughs> hey, by the way, anybody know why the punk rock across the road? Cause he was stapled to the chicken. <laughs> but seriously, let's get down to the slideshow. Ah. Uh, the first step on the road to the Stratton family fortune was taken by Edward Stratton I, who invented the inner tube. Banana head. While still a young man, my grandfather took over his father's outdated factory and converted it into the largest shipyard in the world. This helped America in World War II, and it was personally thanked by President Truman for saving democracy. I guess if it hadn't been for my grandfather, we'd all be driving Japanese cars now. Stick to the text. My grandfather's business continued to bloom. He expanded into, into lumber mills, aerospace, construction, and tacos. <laughs> industrial empire became a philanthropist. In fact, he's credited with creating the single most important incentive for charitable contribution, tax deduction. <laughs> Still, no matter how busy my grandfather was in pursuing his momentous career, he never stopped being a devoted family man. This is my father. Yeah, come out here! Come out where? Go around the side! 
So Ricky starts his speech like, oh, it is an honor to be here in this suspicious, he means auspicious evening. <laughs> Which is kind of, and these guys, he makes a joke about a punk rocker crossing in the chicken crossing the road or something to that effect. And the joke is garbage. It doesn't land. These guys, buddy, you tried, you failed. These jokes are not. And even grandfather's like, son, please stick stick to the the cards that I've written for you, please. And he goes to start the slideshow with grandfather's father, Edward Stratton the first, you know, with in the invention of the inner tube, and of course. We get the famous banana head, as that's what Grandfather Stratton refers to his father. Because it's basically Joel Higgins in one of those old-fashioned early 20s long bathing suit suits with an inner tube and a must. He's wearing a mustache, so. Uh, and, um, Ricky continues through the speech as we see. Uh, different things with aerodynamics and the hospital and the um, wood, lumber, all these different things. And Ricky makes a joke about if it weren't for my dad, because something about President Truman, like he got a an award or something, uh, uh, you did a great job or commending or something. From President Truman and Ricky makes a joke about if it weren't for my grandfather we'd all be driving Japanese cars right now and of course that joke doesn't land it's like no son please just just stick to what's written there <laughs> and then we see a picture of grandfather Stratton with a very young Edward Stratton, so Ricky's dad. And as soon as we see that, uh, Edward appears wherever the thing is being projected from, because you see the shadow of Edward. It's like, Ricky, where are you? Ricky, where? He's, and Ricky's like, Dad, go around to the side. It's like, great. So, yeah, way to make an entrance, Edward. For a second, I'm like, is he drunk? Or, I mean, we know that he's goofy, but seriously... For a second, I'm like, did he show up drunk to this? I don't think he did. But he's going to make a fool out of himself and embarrass Ricky and his father, or grandfather, Edward's father. It's just, it's going to, this is going to go bad. <laughs> oh, apparently his grandfather also had a, a taco stand? Or it says Senior Stratton something or other tacos like cool oh senior stratton's taco house so very very many different things here of achievement of dip from aerodynamics the lumber lumber yard and um stuff like that what a what a wonderful man apparently he keeps and Ricky, he keeps slapping his grandfather on the shoulder it's like Ricky, please. He's an old man. He's brittle. Please, you're gonna <laughs> dislocate his shoulder pretty soon. Oh, the Stratton Medical Center says admitting visitor parking, and there's an arrow. So it's a sign that just says Stratton Medical Center. Oh, wait, no, okay, so this is supposed a young 
um, grandfather Stratton with Edward, which seems Edward is probably maybe six, five, six years old there. He's, he's pretty young. Very cute. Very adorable. charity auction and I found a card that I made for my father when I was only six years old. My father never saw this because he was off on a business trip. Seems all my life I've resented the fact that my father was off doing the very things that you're honoring him here for tonight. I was hurt because he didn't spend more time with me. See, I wanted to spend all my time with him. But, as is obvious to all of you, and now finally, to me, my father's time was well spent. So, I'd like to present to my father, Edward Stratton II, <laughs> this Life Achievement Award. Along with the words that I wrote to him, on that Father's Day so long ago. Dear Father, <laughs> I am very, very proud of you. podium and he immediately starts kind of going from the note cards but then because uh his father's all like stand up straight speak clearly and edward full-on starts shouting and he's like you know what screw it get these note cards flicks them on the table like i don't need those but he does have his father's day card that he wanted to give his father when he was six years old and Edward's got a lot of resentment for, he basically flat out says that I really resented my dad for going off and making all these accomplishments, which you are honoring him tonight for. And I really just wanted him to be able to spend more time with me. It's like, I get the impression, like, yeah, sure you think that, oh, this is definitely not the place to 
be letting all this out. But think about it. In a way, there is no other time that Edward would be able to... Like, this is the only way that his father's going to even hear this. Because any other time, if he tried to have this conversation, his father would be literally shooting him down. Like, that's not true. You're lying. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, Edward probably thought to himself, like, I'm going to get all of this out tonight. Because if I don't say this now... All of this is that's been building up inside of him for the last, like, 30-plus years. He's like, I this is the only way he's going to hear me. I'm going to say what I need to say. And he's going to hear it. And he reads from his grandfather. Why did I say grandfather? He reads from the card that he gave his father. He said, Dear Father, I am so, so proud of you. And he gives his father the card and the achievement of this framed achievement award. And, oh, I just want to tear up because I, I don't, we don't see any real expressions on grandfather Stratton on his father's face. We don't because he is basically, unless he's frowning, that that's pretty much the only expression that that man knows how to have. Yeah. So now Edward Stratton the third second he's gonna stand up and say something now. Why do I get the feeling that he is gonna completely shame his son? And like Edward, that was this was not the time and that was this is not the place to be talking about this stuff. You failed me once again. I get the he's going to Oh, he's going to ruin this moment. He's going to ruin... I know it. I feel it in my heart. Grandfather Stratton, please. Your son just poured his heart out to you, and you're going to rip his heart to shreds. Thank you, one and all, for bestowing this award upon me. It is much appreciated and long overdue. <laughs> certain impromptu observations made by my son. First, you were late. <laughs> Second, Edward, I am very, very glad that you are here with us tonight. goodness <laughs> well when he takes the stand he does say thank you for honoring me with this award even though it was very late coming and he turns to Edward and says one thing first thing you were late and I thought oh my gosh here it comes he's gonna belittle Edward right in front of everybody and he says second thing thank you I'm so glad that you have decided to show up tonight. That means a lot. And Edward just surprised. He surprises. He turns his head and surprises his head. Like, oh my gosh. And he gets up out of his chair. And he hugs. He embraces his father. My gosh. This is a beautiful scene. Granted, we know that. 
This is not going to mend the relationship 100%. If anything, it's maybe 10%. Because they are never going to be... They're always going to be at odds with each other. Like, no, no, ladies and gentlemen, please sit down. Please sit down. I thought he was gonna, like, give another speech about his, or, like, from his heart or something, give a speech. No. He's like, here, I have a bassoon solo. Oh, my God, those older men, you're gonna blow their eardrums, buddy. And even Edward is cringing, like, oh, boy, here we go with this bassoon. Yeah, my ears. So, Yeah. That's the end of the episode. This was a cute episode. I really, really liked it. Alright, so time for my train rating for this episode. I'm going to give this one a 4 out of 5 trains. I really, really like it. The only thing I didn't really care for is, of course, Derek sucking up to Edward like he always does. But the four things that I really liked, I liked Ricky with the bassoon. It was funny and everything, and I liked that that was a callback. Um, I liked Edward testing out those toys, which was really cool. Of course, that yo-yo one, hated that. Didn't like that one. It was kind of weird. But um, <laughs> the plastic surgeon one, like, I can't see that one being... Uh, marketed either but it, those jokes were funny of course love the speech at the end that edward brings that card out and i i love the embrace between him and his father it was so sweet i mean you think like okay things are a little better between them well i don't know if that's 100 percent true i know that there's an episode in a later season where they are still They'll never see eye to eye 100%. But at least Edward finally got his father to hear how he's been feeling. Like, really, really hear him. And his father had said, I'm glad that you're here to share in this event with me. So, um, as far as for a silver spoon, uh, a silver spoonful, um... As far as from Ricky's point of view, I know that he's trying to help mend his father and his grandfather's relationship. As coming from a kid's point of view, as much as you want them to get along, sometimes it's best to just maybe let them work things out because it just it's adult matters and I know you want you know, you definitely want your family to get along and stuff, but that's between them and they have to be able to work things out. All right. All right. So now I'm going to be talking about what's going to be taking place in November. We're going to be, uh, I'm not going to say speeding through, but you're going to get a double dose, a weekly double dose of more, uh, instead of one episode a week, it's going to be two episodes a week. So I will be telling you about the two episodes that will be coming up. The first one we get 
Season 1, Episode 10, entitled Father Nature, which aired on November 27th, 1982. Ricky convinces Edward to cancel his skiing trip. What's he going skiing with? Him and Kate? Him and friends we don't meet? I don't know. And take him camping so that Ricky can advance to the next level in scouting. Because he's in Boy Scouts. However, the trip turns out to be a complete disaster. Ugh, that's not good. This one's got a 7.8 rating. We'll get into the trivia and stuff like that later when we cover the episode. Right. Season 1, episode 11, entitled A Little Magic, which aired on December 4th, 1982. This is the one that guest stars Sharon Stone. <laughs> Based on Derek's advice, uh, my God, Ricky, please, how many times? How many times you gotta listen to Derek's cruddy advice? Based on Derek's advice and a misunderstood conversation, Ricky is convinced that Kate has fallen in love with him while there are so many things wrong with that sentence. Determined to find someone else for her, he decides to play matchmaker between her and his father. This one's got a 7.7 .7 rating. That's pretty cool. Alright, so those are the episodes we get to look forward to next week in November. Alright, let's go and say hey to some podcast listeners. We have Clarksville, Clarksburg, Virginia, West Virginia, Los Angeles, California, Mountain View, California, Pardeville, P-A-R-D-E-E-Ville, Wisconsin, Lima, Peru, Guatemala City, Guatemala, Stockholm, Sweden, Istanbul, Turkey, Valde... Shell, C H A L Co. Mexico, Turkey, uh, State of Bolivia, S U C R E, Fortuna, Spain, Puerto Rico, Israel, Monterrey, Mexico, Equator, Mexico City, Mexico, Colombia, Japan, Brampton, China, Mexico. Austria, Green, New York, Serbia, Ukraine, Neptune, New Jersey, Chambly, Canada, San Jose, Costa Rica, Bangalore, India, Madrid, Spain, Russian Federation, Turkey, Millsboro, Delaware, New York, New York, Brazil, Norway, Honduras, Ukraine, Spain, Indonesia, West Colombia, South Carolina, and Slovakia, Vietnam, United, Nottingham, United Kingdom, Spain, Turkey, and Brazil. All right, in this part of the podcast, I will be discussing some of the books that I've read recently. Just note that I am almost done with... <laughs> I am almost finished with the Hocus Pocus sequel, so by the next episode, I should be able to give you my review on the rest of the episode. Or the rest of the book. I cannot talk today. I don't know why. And I apologize for that. 
Okay, so the first one is nice, a nice spooky read, even though we are in the last week of October. You get to City of Ghosts. This actually, I think, is either going to be a series or a trilogy. This book is by Victoria Schwab. I believe it is classified as a middle grade book. But this is this is one that is available on Audible as an audiobook. Cassidy Blake's parents are the inspectors, a somewhat inept ghost hunting team, but Cass herself can really, really see ghosts. In fact, her best friend Jacob just happens to be one. When the inspectors head to ultra-haunted Edinburgh, Scotland for their new TV show, Cass and Jacob come along. In Scotland, Cass is surrounded by ghosts, not all of them friendly. Then she meets Lara, a girl who can also see the dead. But Lara tells Cassidy that as an in-betweener, their job is to send ghosts permanently beyond the veil. Cass isn't sure about her new mission, but she does know the sinister red raven haunting the city doesn't belong in her world. Cassidy's powers will draw her into an epic fight that stretches through the worlds of the living and the dead in order to save herself. This was a good book. It's only about five or six hours long, so it's not very long. You can finish it in half a day. And I believe I did finish it over the course of a few days because... You know, I listen to these while I'm working, so it really helps make the time go by. I thought the book was really interesting. It had a nice little spooky vibe. The girl, Cassidy, her parents, or she goes by Cass. Um, her parents are kind of ghost hunters in a way. They do, like, paranormal investigations, and they've been chosen to do, like, a documentary-style reality show where they go, like, ghost hunters, like, they go to different locations, and Edinburgh, Scotland is the first one that they'll do. That's why this book is going to, is the first in a series, so the next book that comes out is, they're going to be going to another location, which maybe it's New Orleans. I think they went down the list of some of the places in New Orleans might have been the next one on the list. Um, they have a cat, a black cat named, and it's really cute, Grim, like the Grim Reaper. I just thought that's, that's clever because they're paranormal ghost hunter, uh, uh, ghost people. <laughs> and, Cass is basically she the only friend she really has is Jacob and Jacob is a ghost who you'll hear a lot of how there's an incident like over a year ago where Cass almost drowned Jacob pulled her out and that is when she started seeing him and she is able to see other ghosts and stuff like that so she goes along with her parents to this locale, and while her parents are off shooting, you know, the documentary with the film crew, um, Cass is going around kind of exploring Edinburgh. She meets at the place that she and her parents are staying. She meets Lara, who is, like, the niece of the lady that runs the inn that they're staying, and she's got this little um, necklace thing. That kind of helps with, um, because she's an in-betweener as well. 
so she is able to help, like, send the ghosts back where they're supposed to be. Um, Finley is the guy that is kind of taking her parents, like, on the tour of the places that they're scouting in Edinburgh that are supposedly haunted for the documentary. And he does mention there is a sinister woman that goes by the name of Red, uh, Red Raven because she wears this red coat and she lures children by this little sweet song because I guess there's something to do with whether she lost a child as a mid uh, miscarriage or something happened and she's become evil so she wants to get all these kids and stuff like that. She that's why there's so many children that have gone missing and everything. But that's as far as I'll say about that. But it's a good book. I really, really enjoyed it. I look forward to reading the next one that when that one comes out next year. So check that book out. I will put these all up on the Instagram page. And the Facebook page so that way if you guys and I will list which ones are available all the three out of the four are available on Audible, and I'll let you know which one isn't. The next one that is available on audiobook, You Don't Know Everything, Jilly P by Alex Gino, which I've read Alex Gino's debut book, George, that deals with a young boy that is... Um, semi-transgendered, I believe. Like, he's a boy, but he identifies as a girl inside, so. But this one is very, very w with the times, as far as with the Black Lives Matter movement. There's a lot of that in this book, so I'm going to read the description. Jilly thinks she's figured out how life works, but when her sister Emma is born deaf, she realizes how much she still has to learn. A big fantasy reader, Jilly connects with another fan, Derek, who is deaf, who is a deaf black ASL user. She goes to Derek for advice, but doesn't always know the best way to ask for it and makes some mistakes along the way. Jilly has to step back to learn to be an ally, a sister, and a friend, understanding that life works in different ways for different people, and that being open to change can make you change in the best possible ways. This was an amazing book. Just like the last book, City of Ghosts, I rated that one five stars. This one is also rated five stars. So in this book, the main character, Jilly, is 12 years old. And her parents had kind of sat her down saying, you know, we're expecting a new baby. And she's kind of excited, you know, she gets to be a big sister. Uh, well, you know, for a while, she, for tw like 11 years, she was an only child, but now she gets to be a big sister. And she's um, also a big fantasy reader. There is a series that almost makes me think, it's kind of like a almost semi-Harry Potter-ish series it's not a real book series that she's reading but she we get to see a lot of her being in this chat room that is affiliated with the books you know fans of this book series i can't even think of it at the moment but they can go and talk and you see a lot um hear a lot of there's a lot of different voices uh voice actors for this book uh, narration because we got a lot of people different kids in the chat room and everything talking about this series because it's I guess it's a, actually it's a trilogy she's read 
the two books, and the third book is finally going to be coming out a year later. And also this book deals with, um, Jilly has a aunt who is in a biracial marriage, and the her spouse has two children from another marriage, but that does bring in the Afri Af African American side of things that we're getting a lot of these uh, Black Lives Matter. In this book, there are shootings that African Americans are, are, are being shot. You know, you hear things on the news and everything, and that is just a lot of racial divide here because Jillian. Jilly, Jilly and her aunt's spouse is dealing with a lot of racial conflict, especially in Jillian's family. There's an incident over Thanksgiving that happens, and a lot of heated arguments, discussions go on. So I'm not going to get any more into that. Um, Jilly's little sister is born, and it is discovered that. Her sister is deaf. They run tests and everything like that. Jilly has taken it upon herself to start learning how to sign. And with today's technology, she can do that. She's learning, like, um, like a word a day. A, like, a sign a day. So that way she can kind of get up to speed on things. And it's, uh, one of the... I'm trying to think of his name... His name in real life is Derek, but he's got, like, um, a screen name when he's in the chat room. I forgot what it was. I think it's, like, Profound in o Oakland. I think that, because they live in California. And this character is hearing impaired. This is Profound in Oakland slash Derek. And he he's actually deaf. And the thing that Jilly runs into issues is that this guy doesn't want to be he's deaf and proud as he likes to say and she mentions how her sister whose name is Emma is deaf and she's like asking him questions he's getting offended and everything like that it's just this guy has a lot of hot button issues and I, I, I it's like I don't know, it's like, you're deaf and proud, that's great. And this girl just wants questions answered, but now she feels like when she asks them, she's offending him. He acts very offended and and everything like that. Um, Jilly also has a best friend named Maisie who comes over. I think, I'm trying to remember if she reads the fantasy books too. But it's kind of funny because Maisie and Jilly's dad have this really goofy relationship where they use initials of like, like you know how the internet speak with a TT or the text speak for TT F TTFN like ta ta for now or TTYL talk to you later and stuff. But they turned it into that's how they communicate. And it's just, like, she'll say, uh, JD, like, HD, uh, HJD, or so, meaning, like, hey, Jilly's dad, or something. It's, 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 but luckily, Jilly will, as a narrator, will confirm, like, what these mean when her dad and her best friend are talking to each other. 
Um, it's just a lot of, for the family to take in with Emma being deaf and everything, and they're adjusting, they're going to specialists, and how things are, like, how things are going to be in the future and what you need to do to prepare yourself to learn how to sign and to help your daughter and everything. It, it, this is a really, really good book. I, this is also, like I said, it's available on Audible. If you're not a member of Audible, you can get a free book. And guys, I'm not being uh, sponsored by them at all. It's just I use Audible all the time. I actually just canceled it for a little bit because there aren't a lot of books right now out there that I want to, you know, get through Audible, but I'll probably start it up again next year. But I do have a lot of books that I have acquired through Audible that I haven't even listened to. So I'm kind of going to work my way through that. So let's move on to the next book. And this is another book. This is the last book that is available as an audiobook. The War Outside by Monica Hess. H-E-S-S-E. And this is actually kind of based on some true events that happened in history. A novel of conviction, friendship, and betrayal. It's 1944 and World War II is raging across Europe and the Pacific. The war seemed far away for Mar Margot. They say, they call her Margot. 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 But it's just, I've always pronounced it as the T is silent. Because I think of Anne Frank, her sister's name is Margot. And it's spelled M-A-R-G-O-T. So... The war seemed far away from Margot in Iowa and Haruku in Colorado until they were uprooted to dusty Texas, all because of the places their parents once called home, Germany and Japan. Haruko and Margot meet at the high school in Crystal City, a family internment camp for those accused of colliding with the enemy. The teens discover that they are polar opposites in so many ways, except for one that seems to override all the others. The camp is changing them day by day and piece by piece. Haruko finds herself consumed by fear for her soldier brother and distrust of her father, who she knows is keeping something from her. And Margot is doing everything she can to keep her family whole as her mother's health deteriorates and her rational, patriotic father becomes a man who distrusts America and fraternizes with Nazis. With everything around them falling apart, Margot and Haruko find solace in their growing secret friendship. But in a prison the government has deemed full of spies, can they trust anyone, even each other? This was such a good book, and I really, like, it was only, like, seven hours long. I know you're thinking, seven hours? Well, being, you know, I'm on my feet all day, this really, and I'm pretty much stuck in one spot. This really helps make the time pass. But I liked how at the end of the book, there was an author's note of how she came about, like, information. Because this is historical so of course you're going through information that you can use and it's loosely based like you have to change names and everything like that and situations you got to kind of turn them around a little bit so they're not extremely a hundred percent like take situations that happen to certain people and then put your characters in those situations so you have something semi-historical to back that up 
And I really, really liked how the author explained how she got, you know, researched and got all the information compiled to make this book. And it really, um, the health thing with Margot's mother is she is actually pregnant. She had lost a baby prior to through a miscarriage and everything. And that's why her, her mother is in, uh, having health issues and stuff like that because she's pregnant and she's in this internment camp and you can, I mean, only get so much care inside this camp. And the way they describe this camp, there's like the American school and then there's the German school where all the German kids go, which there aren't a lot of them there. But then the American school also has, you know, the Japanese kids and stuff like that. So I really, like I said, I enjoyed this book it really had me hanging on to the end. It's like, something happens. What happens? And I'm not going to tell you what happens because I don't want to ruin the ending. But um, just just read it. It's, if you're looking for a historical book, this is a young adult book. It, it's really, really good. I definitely recommend it. Now, to the last book that is not available on audiobook, sadly. The Boy from Tomorrow by Camille DeAngelis. Capital D, and then lowercase e, and then capital A, and then A-N-G-E-L-I-S. This book is so good. I tried to read it before, and I couldn't get into it. And then, you know, that's how it is with some books with me. It's like, I'll pick it up, I can't get into it, set it down. I'll come back to it, like, six months, a year, a few years later, and I'll absolutely love it and wonder, why didn't I jump into it earlier? Sometimes it just depends. Maybe the timing isn't right. But, all right. This is a semi-time travelish. It's got two points of view. Josie and Alec both live at 444 Sparrow Street. They sleep in the same room, but they've never laid eyes on each other. They are 12 years old, but 100 years apart. The children meet through a hand-painted spirit book, basically a Ouija board. And I like how the author does say at the end of the book, author's note, leave the spirit boards, Ouija boards, leave that for the fictional world. Do not mess with those guys. They can be very dangerous. You don't know who you're talking to on the other side. You think you could be talking to a loved one. You don't say goodbye on that thing. You don't know what you're letting into your house. So please don't mess with the Ouija board. The children meet through a hand-painted spirit board, Josie in 1915 and Alex in 2015. And form a friendship across the century that separates them. But a chain of events leave Josie and her little sister Cass, short for Cassandra, trapped in the house and afraid for their safety. And Alec must find out what's going to happen to them. Can he help them change their future when it's already passed? The Boy from Tomorrow is a tribute to classic English fantasy novels like Tom Midnight, Tom's Midnight Garden, not heard of that, and A Traveler in Time. I've not heard of that book. They're probably so old. I've never heard of them. Through their impossible friendship, Alec and Josie learn that life can offer only what they ask of it. This is such an amazing book. It's not long either. It's 268 pages. This one actually just came out back in early May. And... The author did such a great job portraying 
like the early England, um, early uh, times in 1915 and everything. I mean, I didn't exist back then, but it's nice to have a reference for what it's like and what these girls are are going through and how they're growing up compared to how uh, Alec has all of these amenities and everything that he probably takes for granted. Um, I gotta say, as I was thinking about this, as I was, um, when, after I listened, after I'd read this book and I was just like, this is a time travel book that you would, that you build in your mind. The whole, I'm sure I'm not the only one who saw it. If I could share something with somebody from the past, definitely it's going to be the music of what time period I'm in that they haven't experienced yet. Yeah, you don't know. Am I damaging them by telling them certain things? I've had dreams, literally. I've had dreams where I will go, like, back to the 50s or something, but I'll be such a big mouth that I will be like, oh, this happens, and that happens. Oh, no, this is going to suck when this happens, and be happy with this because it's not, we're not going to have this anymore down the road. So who knows what damage I would have been doing to the, to the present by telling people from the past, my, um, of what's to come. You never know. Isn't that almost like, not like the butterfly effect, but it's like change something in the past. You're going to change the future in some way, but it's just that idea of being able to share what you have in your time with someone from the past, especially when it comes to like music or, or books or something. It's just, I don't want to say any more, but this is, <laughs> this book is so cool. It really, really is. So I'm happy I finally have a book for Jeremy's mom to read because I kind of have not been, I've been reading a lot of audio books and then also you know, some library books. So it's like, I, she's read through every, basically everything that I've read this year. She's pretty much read through that. So it's like, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. Um, the Keeper of the Lost Cities books by Shannon Messenger. I did hear that the books, all of them are, I think they have been re-recorded and they should all be on Audible now, but I'm not 100% sure on that, so if you'd like the Keeper of the Lost Cities books, which the seventh book comes out next month, but I have, I'm currently on the second book now. I had to reread the series because I tried to get into the sixth book last year and I had, like, forgotten a good chunk of information. It's like, no! But I, I just, I kept thinking I could look online and just get synopsises of the past books that I've read. No, I think I want to go and reread the series so I can re-familiarize and just experience all these things all over again because this is an awesome book series. But, um, so yeah, I hope you like these book recommendations. Um, like I said, three out of the four of them are available on, as an audiobook. So maybe The Boy From Tomorrow might be an audiobook somewhere, but it's not on Audible. So I'm not sure. Maybe I can even reach out to, if I can reach out to the author and just ask her. Because The Front Desk by Kelly Yang, I actually reached out to her on Instagram and I said, um, there's someone that would like to know if this is going to be an audiobook. And she did say, I think in November it's going to be, so... That being said, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday night because now we've started a new week. Have a good what's left of October and I'll see you back 
in November. Bye bye. Together.